Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal podcast number 98. Today it's the Seleção all the way. We'll be hearing from José Font and Bernardo Silva a little later as we analyse exactly where Fernando Santos's Portuguese team are at. To do so, I'm delighted to welcome on board two experts of the Portuguese national team, Portugal reporters Nathan Motz and Simon de Souza. Nathan, how are you my friend? Hey Tom, always happy to talk about the Silasau again. Good stuff, good stuff. And Simon, good to have you on the pod. How are how are things? Good, good. Had a good summer and uh it's glad football's back. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long time, isn't it? <clears throat> a long barren spell without football, but it's over. And so, without further ado, let's get straight down to the nitty gritty questions. And uh, one of the first ones has to be this. Uh, Nathan, since Fernando Santos took over from Paulo Bento at the helm, he's guided Portugal to five wins in five qualifiers and even got rare victories over Argentina and Italy. Yet, I think it's fair to say, (coughs) not only does he have his critics, but the volume of criticism seems to be growing, if anything. Uh, How can you explain this? Why... Has Santos, what has Santos done to warrant so many questions about whether he's the right man or not for the Seleção? You know, I, I don't think people would have too much of a, of a problem um, given the fact that he has won games. It's just the manner in which we've won the games. I think in some of the comments on Portugal, on some of the articles we've written about the, the, the last few matches for Portugal, you see people basically just dissatisfied with the immense struggle that the team goes through and, and the laboring that we go through in, in the attack. And I think, um, you know, for those who have listened to me talk about Portugal on this site for a long time, um, you know, I think one of the main reasons for that is is the way that we use Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think there's been kind of a tendency to kind of go back to the, to the era of Carlos Caraz where uh, he's being utilized at the top of the formation as the number nine. And, you know, people try to justify that with all kinds of things, saying, you know, that's what he plays for Madrid and all that. And, and I think what we're seeing is that that really does, especially in this kind of tactical setup, just spoil his, his immense talent. Uh, we just don't have the supporting cast to make him function properly in that role. And so I think people get really frustrated when we see that we have a player of his quality kind of go to waste and then we um we only put them in positions to take pot shots at goal from 25 to 30 yards and things like that um so the the style that santos has brought i think did bring some improvements we were allowing far too many goals um during the latter part of palo bento's uh tenure as manager and so i think that when Fernando santos came along and instituted a more disciplined defensive style i do think has paid some some dividends, um, and I'm not even really sure it's it's his fault that we don't win games more convincingly. Look, looking at some of the the key players that we've had missing, you know, Joao Moutinho and Fabio Contral and um, the like. But 
I do have to say there's going to have to be a, an urgency to find more of, a, of an attacking edge if we're going to have any impact on this tournament next year in France. Yeah. Well, Santos is certainly uh, always talking up his, uh, you know, the team's chances, and uh, he said several times that he considers uh, Portugal to be in with a chance of winning the Euro. But uh, yeah, I think I agree with everything you said there. Uh, whatever you say about Paulo Bento, I think one of his uh, biggest. I suppose you could say triumphs as Portugal manager as he really did seem to get the very best out of Cristiano Ronaldo and that just doesn't seem to be happening with uh, Fernando Santos at least at the moment. Uh, So let's move on. Uh, Well, Santos, he may be taking a bit of a grilling from fans and some sections of the press but nobody can argue that there have been positives this year. Uh, He's he's been in charge for exactly one year uh, as well as the results of course. Uh, the 60-year-old insists he is integrating the new generation of players slowly. One of the up-and-comers who certainly impressed this last week against France and Albania was FC Porto's new holding midfielder, Danilo. Uh, he did such a good job deputising for the injured William that he may even have nailed down that place in the team. Uh, at least that's what some people are saying. Uh, what's your opinion on that, Simon? I have to agree with you that he's had a really quick rise up the ranks, um, especially from Maritima last year. Uh, his distribution does need a little bit of development, but he is really reminding me of how Fernando used to play for Porto, uh, his positioning and strength especially. Um, he's certainly one of the few improvements uh, that Porto made from their squad last year with all the replacing players. Um, so to go uh, head-to-head with William here, it's, uh, I know William's injured right now. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who can, who can take that spot. I would say William probably, well, one already has a little bit of seniority in the squad, so Santos may be a little bit loyal to that. But he can distribute the ball uh, better than Danilo currently. But uh, at this rate that Danilo is uh, developing and improving at, who knows uh, what his ceiling is going to be. Uh, we certainly haven't seen that yet, so a couple more months at Porto, and and he's going to be getting some Champions League experience down soon. So uh, it, it's definitely one of the uh, one of the positives in the squad right now, and uh, kind of a good addition, almost not almost out of nowhere, but to add some more depth and stability if and when someone goes down injured like like William has currently for uh, for I think he's might even miss the Denmark game if I read correctly. Yeah, well, I think I agree with you there, Simon, about one thing, is his rise has just been, like you said, almost out of nowhere. He did, of course, play, he was one of the players in the 2011 under-20 Portugal World Cup team, and he kind of disappeared from the radar a little bit. But uh, he's been fantastic. He's just had an amazing last year, very good at Maritimo. What's really surprised me is how he's settled down at Porto, as well as... uh, as well as for Portugal. I mean, that Porto midfield is absolutely stacked, isn't it? Some fantastic players. Uh, yeah. 20 million on uh, Imbula, but in my opinion, it's probably Danilo who's been the standout for them so far this season. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. not not to swing this into a, into an FC Porto podcast, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll touch on it quickly. It, that um, he was uh, funny how 
the not one of the most expensive reinforcements in the squad end up being the best, but Danilo was one of the main reasons why Maritimo beat FC Porto last year uh, on the island, which is usually a nightmare place for for Porto recently. Um, he he actually is like how I said Fernando earlier. He actually does play a little bit better uh, on his own once. Imbula comes back and plays in that deep eight spot. There can be some clashing. Um, neither of them kind of knows which one to 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 move up and make space. So uh, Danilo Danilo's kind of kind of like William and Fernando. Just leave him alone in front of the front four, and he'll and he'll just do some cleanup work there. But yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see uh, it's nice to see his rise, and uh, I'm interested in in how good he can get. Yeah, very very interesting. I've even seen one or two uh, thoughts interesting opinions that uh, maybe Portugal should go with William and Danilo uh, shielding the defence but uh, that, from what you say maybe that, that, would, that sounds a little bit better than it actually would be in practice ok yeah. uh, another of the young guns to impress was Bernardo Silva of whom so much is expected after his spectacular year last season and the Monaco man is certainly not content to rest on his laurels. I caught up with him last Friday after the France game and talked about his future goals. Uh, I'm very happy because last season I think I, I, I've, I've done uh, a great job. Uh, I hope that this year I can do even better than, I, than I've done last year. So what are your personal goals this season and your team goals at Monaco and for the Selecant? Uh, in Monaco, for sure, it's staying in, uh, in the second place or third to, to reach the, the Champions League, at least the playoffs. And personally, I want to I wanna score more goals than I, than I did last year. So, Nathan, Bernardo made his full competitive debut for Portugal on Monday versus Albania and acquitted himself pretty well, I think we can say. Uh, he was stationed on the right flank, although, in my opinion, he would be possibly more dangerous in the middle. And this brings me to my next question. Uh, s- with so much midfield talent at Portugal's disposal, is it time to abandon the time-honoured 4-3-3? Uh, do you believe the Selecao could improve with more flexible tactics? Well, it's an interesting discussion because it, it's it's unique and the qualifying for this tournament, when we look at the the other wide midfield options, uh, aside from Cristiano Ronaldo, who's primarily been used as a striker, we actually don't have a tremendous amount of quality on the wing anymore. And so I think the 4-3-3 was more effective when we had you know, these really top-level players, when Nani was playing a little better, um, you know, if we had a little bit better play from Quaresma. And that's not to say that he didn't, he didn't play well. Obviously, his his cross to Miguel Veloso at the end of that Albania match was crucial. But I think the, for the four three three to function really well, you have to have quality play from the wing. And putting Bernardo Silva out on the right against Albania, you know, it, it, it was interesting to watch him drift inside and kind of create some space for Ronaldo through the middle. And I I, I liked watching him kind of come in and dink some of those uh, chipped passes over the top of the defense. And so he can have some usefulness in that regard. But when I look at him physically, I, I don't think Bernardo Silva is the kind of player that has the strength to, to drive to the byline and get across back into the center of the penalty area, which is what you would you know expect from a more traditional uh, wing player. And so 
I would agree that uh, with his with his elegant control and, and footwork and technique, I think being in the center of the pitch and being allowed to kind of dictate the tempo, uh, especially the passing tempo of the game, would be something that Bernardo Silva would would excel at, much like he does um, at Monaco. Now, whether or not it's time to completely abandon the four three three and move to a different tactical formation. You know, given that it's it's less than a year now until the Euros, it's very difficult to imagine us being able to almost build from from scratch a different formation. But um, it's worth it's worth suggesting that with the right players to implement the system, it could it could work. And I I know that Bernardo Silva is not the first player that we've seen put in um, an unnatural position in order to accommodate the 4-3-3. Danny immediately springs to mind as well. I always wonder um, what might have been with him had he ever been played in his um, in in the position that he favors and so I would hate to see something like like that happen with a young player like Bernardo Silva and others um, who are just meant you know put into the squad to accommodate the the tactical setup and not you know to, to bring their their talents to the front so as these new players get integrated into the squad, they certainly bring different qualities um, than, than the old guard, you know, had. And I think that is something that Santos is going to want to take a look at and and have that discussion as whether it will profit us more going into uh, France 2016 to utilize a, a number 10 and, and maybe do something a little bit different. Um, again, maximizing all those strengths out on the left um, and then having a stronger core um, in the center of the pitch with the with the number ten, and ideally, obviously, I think many people would like to see Bernardo Silva become that. Very interesting, Nathan. Of course, we've seen uh, Fernando Santos. He's done this quite a lot, like you said, uh, adapt players maybe not in their natural position. I'm thinking now about uh, Coentrao, for example, who was used as a left midfielder against Serbia. He actually had a very good game there. Of course, we've talked about Ronaldo, who's been used uh, a, a lot as a central striker in this uh, in this qualifying campaign so far. And, uh, of course, we say it's been a bit of a failure, and he, he seems to be a bit disconnected from games, uh, as he was in the Albania match. But we have to remember, he scored five goals uh, in this qualifying campaign. He's, uh, uh, you know, so uh, it's, an, it's an interesting discussion. Do you choose players in their natural positions or do you choose the team formation first and then f- jiggle the players around to to uh, you know to fit that system uh, I don't know uh, what do you think Nathan can you think of uh, any players who perhaps could come in from the under 21s who would uh, strengthen this position this team and give Fernando Santos more chance to uh, maybe be a bit more bolder with his tactical formations Oh, we, we certainly have a, a decent crop of talent, especially, I would say, in the midfield. But I also like some of the conversation regarding Andre Silva, the young striker from Porto, that I I think um, really when I look at this squad from, from top to bottom, the senior squad, obviously for, for many, many years we've needed a striker. And so I really like his, his chance of becoming that. I also like Ivan Cavallero. Uh, the opportunity that he's being given at Monaco to improve um, on his game, and I think that he may be able to bring something um, in the striking department to the Sao. 
Um, I like Bruno Fernandez at Udinese. I've talked about him a lot. He had a good game with the under 21s uh, yesterday against Albania, a game in which they won 6-1. to, six to one. Um, Speaking of uh, wing players and our struggle to find good talent there, Marcus Lopez has moved to Monaco and has a chance to to shine there. Uh, Bruma played yesterday as well, and I would definitely love to see him get back into form. So there's some opportunity. Um, I think this next club season is very crucial for all these players and how they will figure or not figure into uh, Santos's plans for, for next uh, summer's tournament. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's the, uh, the perfect cue for me to remind people that uh, <coughs> if you haven't read it yet, I suggest going to uh, checking out Nathan's article on the site. Uh, that's www.portugal.net. He wrote a brilliant article about uh, precisely the what's needed for these uh, fantastic under-21 players to take the next step up and to become very important players for the senior side. Uh, I think we we both agree that it's uh, it's really the, the clubs. It's almost down to the clubs uh, to decide what their fate will be. They need to play now. Uh, going back to uh, the Celestial, the main squads games this week. Reading the reports and reviews of this week's games, one would hardly think the Celestial are about to qualify for a major tournament without the need for a playoff for the first time since Euro 2008. And centre-back José Font, he was certainly confident about the future when I spoke to him last Friday. We have the best player in the world, we have uh, top, top players that play in the best clubs in the world, in the best league. We are, uh, we are a force and we want to win every game and we play every game to win. So, of course, when we go to the Euros, we want to... We have the, the ambition of winning, so and that's the mentality that uh, the manager passed to us and that we have. So, Simon, that's pretty infectious enthusiasm. Forget the recent performances. Just looking at Portugal's squad options, uh, I mean, we've mentioned all these uh, incredibly talented under-21 players. Of course, uh, we have to remember that Thiago, Moutinho, William were, were out for this last week, and they'll be back, quoting uh, round too. So when you have a look at Portugal's squad as a whole and you compare it to the strongest teams at Euro 2016, do you think Font has a point and that the Celestial have a realistic shot at winning their first major tournament? I think they have a realistic shot at making another good Euro run. They seem to have been putting together several good Euros in a row now. I would definitely put France and Germany as a favourite still. Uh, the French squad is has been stacking up for this tournament. Uh, as as we've all seen, they're they're the host and they're going to be looking good. Uh, their midfield and backline is excellent, and the Germans uh, the Germans will be the Germans uh, as as usual that that we've seen from them. So, um, am I going to go ahead and say that uh, that that we should have this tournament? Well, uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past the semifinals, but in the end, I think. The lack of goals from from the others besides Ronaldo will probably be the Achilles' heel of the team again, which it sadly always has been. Um, but I think the squad is more well-rounded from Paulo Bento's World Cup squad in Brazil. Um, that was that was way too heavy just on just on Ronaldo. I, I think we started even with Hugo Almeida. 
against Germany that first game where we lost four nothing. Uh, and so, I think the squad is a little bit better looking than than what we brought to Brazil. So I expect a good run, but but to say that that this tournament should be in our pocket, I know Jose Font is speaking with uh, with confidence, and the team should always should always show their their ambition to win it all. Um, of course, I want to as well, but but realistically thinking, I, I would say uh, the Germans, French, even even Spain, always give uh, Portugal headaches. So we seem to we seem to struggle with those teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was even the hosts to to win this tournament. Yeah. Okay. Well, Nathan, I'd also like <laughs> your opinion on this. You, of course, covered Portugal's superb showing at Euro 2012 in Loco in Ukraine. And if we cast our minds back four years, uh, the team were certainly not considered one of the favourites pre-tournament. Uh, if we remember, actually, they were in that group of death, which most people thought they probably wouldn't even get out of. Yet, they came so very, very close to winning the whole thing. Uh, do you believe Portugal can cause a surprise again this time round, Nathan? And dare I say it, can they go even closer? Well, I, I do think that I do think that we're going to have a good tournament, um, as we've had every, every tournament in Cristiano Ronaldo's era. When you have a player like him in the squad, it's, it's difficult not to be competitive. Uh, having said that, it's it's going to be the it's going to be the question of whether or not uh, Santos can feel a supporting cast that's strong enough to to support him. And if you're asking me honestly, when I look at our squad and where it's at in its development, you know we have a we have a uh, just a tremendous crop of talent that's growing in the under 21s. But if I'm if I'm honest, I want to say that we're maybe one to two years, maybe three years, even. Uh, just a little bit removed from being our most competitive with that squad of players, and the reason I say that is because it's it takes a few years to transition from from even a very promising you know under 21 talent pool and that performance, and to translate that effectively to the senior side takes some time. And so, if I'm honest, next year may be just a little bit too soon. But I would love for some of these young players to come into the squad and prove me wrong. Um, and like I said, as long as we have Cristiano Ronaldo, we're, we're going to have a chance. Can we use him right? Can we get a striker that um, can at least work with Ronaldo, if not score goals like we'd like him to? You know, Can we figure out some of our midfield problems? And I think Santos has done the right thing in terms of how to approach a tournament in that he's stabilized um, us defensively. And I think that's caused a lot of people some problems. But when you look back at the games... Um, that he's he's been manager for. I mean, we're 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 difficult to break down. Even in I was thinking about the Argentina friendly, where Argentina dominated the game um, pretty much throughout the ninety minutes, but we still came to win, came away with the with the victory. Um, and I think winning ugly can say a lot about team character sometime. And I I'm not saying I hope we win a tournament like that, but you know, there's a saying that defense wins championships, and I think that the mentality of this squad is much stronger from a defensive standpoint, and that gives me some hope as well. Um, but ultimately, I think it will, it will hinge on how well we can we can arrange you know, the supporting cast, especially in the attacking third, to support Ronaldo. So can Portugal be a surprise? Um, yes, but, it, but if you're asking me honestly and not just as a diehard Silasau fan, I think this tournament may be a year or two uh, too soon for us. 
Yeah. It's almost like a race against time, isn't it, Nathan? We've got all this fantastic talent that we want to, uh, you know, to come to fruition. Uh, but then we've got Ronaldo, you know, time's ticking down on his best years. Uh, I suppose the question is, can they uh, get up? Can they, these, you know, fantastic new young players, uh, yeah. get to their full potential before Ronaldo starts going on the wane? Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, you know, and I think, I think what we're going to see with Ronaldo is, you know, it's a continued tactical switch for him at Madrid, keeping him as as striker. And you know, I, I wonder as he remains in that position for for his club team, what that will do to his uh, to his role in the Celestial. But you know, I, I I tell people this all the time. You know, I'm not really worried about what Ronaldo is or isn't going to do for the squad. I'm I'm confident that when we put him on the field, he's gonna he's gonna be able to perform at the level that we need. It's just who, what arrangement of players, you know, which individuals, which tactical formation is going to get the best out of them. And based on what I've seen from players like Nani, uh, Danny, Eder, and others, I just, I'm not convinced that he's being given, uh, Ronaldo's being given the opportunity to work with, with the right collection of talent around him. And so I'm, I'm hoping that someone can emerge from the under-21s that can that can really make the difference in this squad. I really only think we need one or two more um, playmakers to uh, to have a really competitive run uh, next year. Well, on that positive note, we'll have to draw a close to the pod. Time has beaten us again. Uh, thank you very much for your wonderful insight, as always, uh, Simon. Thank you. And thanks, Nathan. Until next time, guys. Okay. And thank you, listeners, also for tuning in. Don't forget, for all your Portuguese football needs, go to the site www.portugal.net. That's P-O-R-T-U-G-O-A-L.net. And there you can also find four versions of the exclusive interviews with Bernardo Silva, José Font and Danilo. We'll be back soon with a look at club football as European competitions get underway. Até a próxima! <laughs>